Welcome back to CityCast. I'm your host, Julie Menezes. Everyone needs to use the washroom, but sometimes there's no place to go. These are the words that begin a recent report into public washrooms, fittingly called Nowhere to Go. The report was produced by students in McMaster's Research Shop program, and our guests today are Chelsea Berenger, Fairuz Karim, and Marzan Hamid, three out of the five students who produced that report. In the fall of 2020, the team researched public toilet best practices across Canada and beyond to provide recommendations to Hamilton's Beasley Neighborhood Association. Let's jump right into the conversation. Hi, my name is Chelsea Berenger. I'm a recent graduate from McMaster University. I studied uh, Canadian history and I was the team lead for several McMaster research shops, uh, but my last project, sadly, and happily, I mean, in a way, was uh, the Nowhere to Go report that we'll be discussing today. My name is Fires Kareem. I am also a recent graduate from McMaster. I graduated from the Honors Bachelor of Science program in Psychology, Neuroscience, and Behavior. I did a double minor in Sociology and Sustainability, and I've been with the research shop for, now this will be my third project. So really love being a part of the research shop and excited to keep continuing. Hi, everyone. My name is Marzan Hamid. I'm going into my third year of health sciences at McMaster University. I'm really passionate about public health and I got involved with research shop to further this interest and also get involved in the community. I've been involved with research shop for the past two years and this is my second project. The research shop is a co-curricular program offered through McMaster's Office of Community Engagement. It partners with public, nonprofit, and community organizations in Hamilton, seeking answers to research questions. Chelsea, Fairuz, and Marzan got involved after the Beasley Neighborhood Association expressed an interest in partnering with the research shop to learn more about public washroom best practices. As Chelsea explains, one of the first steps in their research process was simply asking, what is a public washroom? Essentially, in a very basic framework, a public washroom is an outdoor washroom that's open to the public. It's accessible to everyone, regardless of physical ability. They're typically free or low cost to use, and they're typically a freestanding structure, although some exist within pre-existing structures. I guess it's also important to make that differentiation between publicly accessible washrooms and public washrooms. There's a bit of a nuance between the two terms. When we're talking about public washrooms, those can be found in public spaces like what Chelsea was saying, and they're owned by the municipality. And there's very few public washrooms available. And that's why we're all sitting here today. Publicly accessible washrooms are those that are privately owned. So they're located in businesses or shops. They're privatized. You could find them at Tim Hortons or Starbucks. And the key difference between public washrooms and publicly accessible uh, washrooms is that access to publicly accessible washrooms isn't always guaranteed. It can be at the discretion of the owner. You might have to purchase something before you can use that washroom. And that creates a barrier as well. Not everyone can make an extra purchase to be able to use the facility. And as well, not all shops or establishments are the friendliest to people who need free access to public washrooms. Although the issue of public washrooms isn't new, it has gained increasing attention during the COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic, I think, for the first time really highlighted 
for the majority of the population, how difficult it actually is to access a washroom when you are outside of your home. I think that for a long time, the issue has kind of been shunted away to the affected groups. So the elderly houses, populations, parents with small children, LGBTQ plus communities, and this idea of trying to get across why it mattered. And I think this is the first time that large swaths of the Hamilton population and Canadians in general have really had to think about it because stores are shut. Malls are shot. So if you want to go for a walk with your kids, where do you take them to the bathroom? So I think for the first time, it's really opened a lot of people's eyes to the general need for it and how dehumanizing it can be to not be able to find a washroom when you need it. And I think as well right now, the heat waves that we're experiencing, not everybody um, is able to access air conditioning. So they are forced to go outside and seek shelter under the shade of a tree in a local park. And if there aren't public washrooms available, then how are you supposed to enjoy the public space? I was reading the article from the University of Alberta, but they were basically saying that the lack of public washrooms can lead way for more public health issues if there are not safe and hygienic places for people to relieve themselves. If they're left to urinate or defecate out in the public, it creates a safety issue and environmental issue as well. So there has to be work done to create these safe and accessible public washrooms. Just to uh, piggyback off of that point, I know because of the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of hygienic practices have been emphasized because they do help reduce the transmission of COVID-19, such as hand washing. And if you're outside and let's say you touch a surface that's touched by a lot of people and you're worried about contracting the disease and you don't have anywhere to wash your hands, that's a problem. And public washrooms are a really big asset to the community in terms of reducing that kind of transmission by promoting hygienic practices. But if people can't have access to them, then like Fairy said, that creates bigger public health issues. Yeah, ultimately, I think what Marzan and Fagers are also touching on is the issue of public washrooms is kind of twofold. You have the bodily function and hygiene focus, and then you also have the access and mobility through space focus, because, you know, you want to make sure people have a place to go so it's hygienic and you can meet bodily needs, but you also need access to washrooms in order to engage with public and community spaces. Because if you have, for example, a gastric issue and you know there's not a public washroom available, you're not going to be able to take part in public space, and that limits your movement in society. That also relates back to toilet privilege. We're talking more so now about public washrooms because the COVID-19 pandemic has shed light on it. But even before the pandemic, there were vulnerable populations that were being impacted by the lack of public washrooms when businesses shut down for the night or um, if they weren't able to access libraries or community centers. The lack of access to washrooms in the city of Hamilton is clearly an issue. So then, why are there so few public washrooms in the first place? Unsurprisingly, one major factor is cost. It's expensive. Just to give an example, in the projects that we looked at, just the construction and purchasing price of 11 different units that we reviewed covered a broad range between 40000 and several million dollars. And that's just for installing and purchasing and designing a unit, and that doesn't count the day-to-day -day maintenance of the unit. The cost for installing and connecting it to sewage lines or doing basic cleanup if you're not going to connect it to sewage lines. So it can be incredibly expensive and you have to figure out how to kind of offset those costs. 
And we did in our report talk about a couple examples of groups that have tried to think of interesting ways to do that through like grant funding or, for example, using the exterior of a washroom for advertising purposes. But you really have to get creative to think about how do we cover the costs of these washrooms if the municipalities or province isn't going to get involved to help. Jumping on to what Chelsea was saying, and particularly in Canada, a lot of cities aren't able to keep washrooms open year round. So winterized washrooms is a factor into financial costs because you have to find insulated pipes and heating and a lot of cleaning duties as well. So those are additional costs that can act as a barrier to the city wanting to implement public outdoor washrooms. It's not simply the cost of public washrooms that poses a barrier. As Fairuz explains, there's also a social stigma. Public washrooms are really associated with illicit activity, unfortunately, um, with crime and drug use and sexual activity. And it really creates a lot of dangerous stereotypes and a lot of dangerous situations. But what we were seeing from our research is that when you work, with community stakeholders, when you work with local community nonprofits, local businesses, with the local city council, you can create sustainable public washrooms that can meet the needs of different stakeholders within the communities and it all together can really work towards destigmatizing public washrooms. So there's that social stigma, but work can be done. It's just a matter of how we can get there. One step towards destigmatizing public washrooms is working with communities to rethink washroom design. Through their research shop project, Chelsea Firuz and Marzan highlighted case studies from 11 different cities, focusing on the efforts to redesign public washrooms. While cities like Montreal focused on creating self-cleaning washroom designs, others, including Tokyo, took an especially innovative approach. There's this incredible thing going on in Japan called the Tokyo Toilet Project, where they're investing millions and millions of dollars into redesigning public washrooms to do the, the things we've been talking about here, to like try to combat the stigma and get people using them for hygiene purposes, for access purposes. And they're just incredible looking designs. The one you're talking about is see-through when it's not in use. And then when you go in and use it and lock the door, it will fog up. And that's how you know someone is using it. And it also lights up at night. So it looks like a lantern in the middle of the park at night to let people know where it is if you need it. And in addition to that, its accessibility toilets have uh, flushing sinks as well for uh, individuals who have like pouches that they need to empty related to gastric issues. In addition to innovative design features, Fairuz explains that community involvement in the design process is crucial to combat stigma. We were looking at the White Avenue public washroom pilot in Edmonton, and I had the opportunity to speak with the, the director of the nonprofit organization there who was leading the pilot uh, project. They were talking about how this washroom really was an amazing way to combat stigma surrounding the public washrooms and really create community cohesion there. And even when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, they were really trying to bring ways to open up the public washroom again because so many people were um, writing into the nonprofit and asking for it to be opened up again. So it really demonstrated that way about the importance of the public washroom being there and being accessible to the community. This is a matter of sustainability as well. If we can create this community cohesion, then we can also increase sustainability 
of the public washroom um, initiatives that we put forward. So I think this was something that was nice to hear and nice to see about how community was being brought together. Despite the positive reports that the team received through the interview process, they found that the literature surrounding public washrooms and their design features was overwhelmingly negative. I think the thing that really surprised me throughout their research and the report writing was this hyper fixation on bathroom misuse. Because every project that you read about, every bit of the literature, or even like the descriptions of the toilets themselves were hyper fixated typically on misuse. So it wouldn't be uncommon to look for, you know, this incredible innovative example. And one of the first things in their design description is how they're vandal proof or how they can't be misused because of this and this. And I think that for sure, vandalism and misuse can be a problem. I mean, we cited a few examples where that was the case, but I think that the solutions put forward for these problems, including restricted hours, sight lines for police, or just hyper-policing of these washrooms, it only ensures that the populations that are in the greatest need of these spaces either can't use them or are incredibly discouraged from using them. And I think if the goal of public washrooms is to increase people's dignity and their mobility and access to community spaces, these kind of restrictions run counter to that. And I think we need to think of better ways to address misuse that don't penalize people in marginalized positions in society and in life. And I think that the best examples of toilets that were successful were again through those collaborative approaches. And in those instances, it was less about vandal proofing them than having attendance from within the community. So people felt safe to use the space and they all wanted to keep the space clean and useful for everyone. Fibrous and Chelsea had some background knowledge about public washrooms before they researched specific case studies during their project. On the other hand, Marzan explains that the research shop was her first introduction to the topic of public washrooms. I actually had no idea that this was a problem. And public washrooms isn't something I think about on a day-to-day -day basis coming from a really privileged position, I think, to not have to think about this every day. But it was never at the top of my head. But when this project came about, I was like, wow, this is a real problem. If people can't access public spaces, if they can't go about their day knowing that there's a public washroom nearby, then that can cause a lot of problems for a lot of different people and disproportionately for a lot of different groups. So after getting involved with this project, I actually had the chance to work on some more uh, projects related to public washrooms, specifically through another community engagement program at McMaster called Mac Changers. And my group was actually focused on improving public washroom information access. For example, what's open, what's not, because ours have been changing a lot during the pandemic and disseminating that information in a really accessible way, I think really sparked my interest in public facilities and their use and how we can make them more equitable. Marzan, Chelsea, and Fairuz began their research shop project in September of 2020. In the months that followed, Marzan's work with other students through the MAC Changers program continued to advocate for increased access to public washrooms in Hamilton. But several months before both of these programs, in June of 2020, Fairuz had learned about the lack of public washrooms in Hamilton and was already beginning a public conversation. Through a summer course that I was taking, we had the opportunity to work with a community partner, Violetta Nikolskaya from the YWCA Hamilton, as well as Dr. Kate Whalen, who's a senior manager of the Academic Sustainability Programs Office at McMaster. So working with both Kate and Violetta, my group and I were able to learn more about 
what's happening in Hamilton regarding the lack of public washrooms and which populations are being disproportionately impacted. And we really wanted to bring light to this issue because it's, again, such a highly stigmatized topic. It's not really talked about in mainstream public discourse. People look at it as a kind of an icky issue. So we created a social media campaign for our class project. I had the opportunity to continue with the class project beyond the end of class. I created my own social media campaign, and I also was able to write up an op-ed on the topic just so we could really bring light to this issue. And then I was able to continue on with that passion in terms of bringing more attention to the lack of public washrooms in Hamilton with the research shop. I was really thankful for that. Fibrous has continued the social media campaign which can be found on Twitter and Instagram at hamauntwashrooms. As she explains, the reaction has been very positive. Many people have really been um, joining in on the conversation on Twitter, either replying to tweets that uh, I've been able to make or they've been tweeting at the Hamont Washrooms page, which has been interesting to see about the different ways that folks are experiencing um, the issue of the lack of public washrooms. So it's really a universal experience. We, we always have to go to the washroom. It's a human thing. We need to destigmatize it and we need to get the conversation happening with our local city councillors as well. We need these long-term sustainable public washrooms that have to be cost-effective and environmentally friendly and really focusing in on the needs of uh, the community. Now that their research shop project has formally ended, we asked Chelsea Fibrous and Marzan about the outcomes of their project and some of their key takeaways. And we tried to provide Beasley with some very general kind of recommendations. So if you're gonna have a public washroom in your community to always make sure you have an attendant because it can help keep the washroom clean. So whether you hire someone to do that in a full-time job or the community rotates it, keeping an eye on the washroom and making sure it's clean is really important, that it should be collaborative. As Figures mentioned at the beginning, the most successful projects were ones that involved the community, the municipality, nonprofit organizations, police in some instances, like the more collaborative, the better and more successful they tend to be. Often city planners are males. <laughs> so for example, um, like the space that's needed for, for female identifying persons or for accessibility tends to be a lot smaller than it should be. And some of that comes from like the years and years of that kind of planning from one perspective. So the more people you engage with in the community, the more successful and better designed the washroom space can be for everyone. You need to promote the washroom because if you build it, and no one knows it's there, <laughs> no one will use it, which seems like a silly thing, but a, a lot of people were really pushing that, but they're not promoted enough. And then to try and consider the revenue potential, because there were just a number of initiatives that were really thinking about, you know, the way you can make this more attractive to municipalities to get them on board is if you can think of ways to offset costs. Advertising was one option. One initiative we looked at tried to add a kiosk next to the bathroom so that you could sell products so that the washroom could kind of be self-sustaining and support itself. So those were kind of our main takeaways that we gave Beasley. Personally, through the process, I did a lot of interviewing and kind of talking to people in other cities and communities who've had public washrooms installed. And my biggest takeaway was how different all the approaches were and what they learned and taking away what they learned from their mistakes and what they did well and their successes and all of that. And what really 
put things into perspective was how different cities um, have to consider their different situations. So Hamilton has unique circumstances in terms of where we're situated, our demographics, our population, and what kind of considerations we need to make for our city might be different for what another city has to make. Also, a lot of people who are working on projects like this or trying to improve the public washroom situation in their communities were really candid and open about their experiences. And even though they didn't know anything about Hamilton or any, anything about Research Shop, they were really willing to help us and share their learnings with us. And they knew how much impact their learnings could have for us. So it was really nice just feeling like this is a collective effort. Looking into the future, the team is hopeful that there will be more public discourse about the need for public washrooms not only in Beasley, but also across Hamilton. Ferris is doing a great job starting a conversation about this really important topic, and I really hope to see that continue and grow. As somebody who didn't know a lot about public washrooms before and would probably not have come across this issue had it not been for Research Shop, I really hope my friends and peers and other people um, in Hamilton are making themselves aware of the issue and kind of understanding the different factors that go into it. And I really hope that the discourse reaches a municipal level and a political level where change is made from an upstream point of view so that we can make this space more equitable for everybody. Just to echo Martin, then, I think that the work that Ares is doing is really important because the more that you spread the discourse and the more people talk about it, the more interest there is in actually creating these spaces. And I think that that's really important. One of the really interesting projects that I looked at, the Winnipeg pop-up toilet, one of the things that they did to increase outreach and to get people to think about how important washrooms are in their community was to do this campaign where they took pictures of people with their legs crossed and they gave accounts of a hard time for them, like trying to find a bathroom or a time they needed a bathroom and there weren't any. And the responses and the different accounts were incredible and really varied. And I think there are a lot of people who have those stories, but they're just too kind of ashamed to talk about it because we don't want to talk about going to the bathroom and we don't want to talk about bathrooms. So I think breaking that stigma down is important. If you're listening to this episode and wondering where you can go to get involved in the conversation, Chelsea and Firuz have some suggestions. To see our report, go to the McMaster Research Shop webpage. They're a branch through the Office of Community Engagement. All of their reports are available, including ours online. I believe the report's also available on the website of the Beasley Neighborhood Association. And then to get involved in the conversation happening in Hamilton, you can check out Ham on Washrooms on Twitter as well as Instagram, a bit more active on Twitter. I do have more posts coming, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of CityCast. We hope you've enjoyed learning more about the need for public washrooms in Hamilton. Whether you are a student interested in volunteering on a research project, or a Hamiltonian representing a public, nonprofit, or community organization that wants answers to a research question, we encourage you to check out the McMaster Research Shop. More information, including student volunteer applications for the fall of 2021, are available at community.mcmaster.ca research shop. As we end today's episode, Marzan provides some advice to students who may consider applying. I would say apply. You have nothing to lose and everything to learn. So just shoot your shot and see where it gets you. When I first applied, I didn't know what to expect and I'm so glad that I did it because um, it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of my undergrad so far.